Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, ClutchFigures. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson from DuelingGenre.com and Lord of the Rings Minute. And I'm Norman Mitchell from the exact same place. Nice. Thanks cool. for joining us again, guys. Yeah, thanks and for having no us. No problem. It's been a fun week. <laughs> Today on Man of Steel Minute, we're talking about minute number 80. And the minute starts with General Zod talking about the remnants of Krypton. Uh, and then the minute ends with the introduction of the world engine. So this minute is pretty much all about the world engine, if you think about it. That's basically all they talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they do talk about like what they were able to salvage off that colonial outpost that they were at, mm-hmm. um, and I really love the way that they show this world engine because it's a giant rendering of the world engine, and it's given very little light, you know, because they're in space and whatnot. So mm-hmm. it's like it's so dark and it's so black, but it's like a giant thing, and it's like you can barely see it, and I think that's why it looks so good on screen because it's like you barely see any of it um so it's like, it's just like this big ominous thing uh just in space so it's really cool the way they look up at it and it's like only part of it you can make out of yeah so i thought that was a really cool rendering uh for, before like, before they show that it shows like them looking out at the colonial outpost and it gives you like this wide establishing shot of what like they're actually standing around Mm -hmm. and it looks like there's like a bunch of kryptonian attack ships it's like a landing zone kind of deal like that they're looking at i thought that was really cool it almost made it look like more militaristic than colonial if you know what i mean yeah yeah does that make sense is that that i use that like a base like a base of operations yeah Yeah, it looks like like an air force like what is exactly like what is the need for all those attack attack ships when they're just trying to grow a colony well, maybe that broken? helps lead the whole idea that they were engaged in some sort of bigger conflict in this area. Yeah. Should they all be broken? Maybe they didn't have a chance to even use the attack ships in this conflict that we're talking about. So maybe it was like some sort of giant, like, you know, apocalypse just came rolling up or something, glassed it all over as everybody was like running to the ships or something. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was a virus. Maybe it was some sort of, I don't know, any extraterrestrial villains that have like a virus thing that they kill people with but maybe there's like yeah. a i don't know like maybe there's a, a lantern villain or something that kills people and it like just they have no chance of getting into ships it's not really going to be like an assault where there's going to be guns and like blasters and ships flying or like parademons like maybe it's something biologically that's killing them maybe i like, mean you can i think yeah. you can cross brainiac off the list because all the technology is still there Oh. Yeah, that's a good one. So, you, yeah, he wouldn't count because he would have just seized all that. Yeah, he would have assimilated all, all the technology. He wouldn't even have killed those people. He would just collect them. Yeah. Unless they put up so. resistance. And he's mm. like, mm, sure. Yeah, but then they wouldn't have found any of the technology stuff yeah, exactly. that they were able to salvage. Yeah, yeah. like then so the world is, engine wouldn't have been there. This is not Brainiac's MO because he would have taken the world engine to just go mess up something else down the line. Yeah, yeah. What about Parallax? Could he have killed those people? 
I think we're just speculating at this point, but um, like some sort of lantern could just like kill people that way. I'm not saying like black hand or anything, but I'm saying like I don't know, maybe. It's it's very it's it's possible. I'm a strong believer of um, the the sequel is of Man of Steel is going to be more space involved, and that's when we're going to get an introduction to the lanterns, mm. and yeah. then it will spin off a lantern movie. And that's just because hinting from Henry Cavill's Instagram and all that stuff that he talks a lot about Hal Jordan. Yeah. Um. So, well, you know, we don't know what happened, but one day we'll find out. Um. They or do not. seize this world. <laughs> oh yeah, or not? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, one can only hope, though, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. They seize this world engine. Um. And they said for thirty-three years we prepared. Um, prepared for what though i don't know i don't know that's where i'm like it, it just goes back to like find like zod's idea of finding cal and and writing the wrongs that jor-el did wasn't at the top of his list mm-hmm. so like what was he actually preparing for was he was he in fact preparing for them i think to they just didn't cal? know what what like um what where what to, happened no i don't think they knew where to take the world engine but they knew they wanted to prepare until they found a great place to go to um, so for 33 years, they prepared to start life somewhere else. They didn't know where, but then, um, they got a distress call from an ancient scout ship on the planet earth that was activated by Kal-El. Okay. So that's how they found him. Yeah. That's how they discovered planet earth. And they said, Hey, look, this planet's pretty good looking. We what should... were they doing in the meantime? They were just preparing. They're just chilling. Just in space? Well, no, they I... were... Yeah. I like to think that Zod comes out of this Phantom Zone prison. They initially just kind of gather things together. Then he probably tries to see what... Uh, what was the scientist's name, guy again? The scientist? Jack... Jax Ur. Jax Ur. Probably a Jax Ur, see if he could track where the ship that Jor-El sent off at the end of Krypton's life went. They probably can't find it. Then they start looking, well... If we can't, if I can't track that, what's the next best thing I should do if I'm not going to worry about this personal grudge? So he gets these people rallied together to find Kryptonian colonies, technology, food, ships, get these people together and find a world engine, keep searching for a planet that's suitable, and then by happenstance, after these 33 years, he gets the signal, they go to Earth, and Cal happens to be there. I don't think he expected Kal-El to be on Earth. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he expected it once they got the distress call. But I, I don't think they knew where to look. And w- we shouldn't assume that this was the only outpost they went to. They probably like continued going to outposts yeah. over 33 years. And they kept checking other planets. And they kept saying, can we settle on this planet? And they said, nah. They said, can we settle on this planet? And then they ran into some trouble. Or like you know, like this, this bed's too soft. I think yeah. Hey, I think like, the yeah, world no, engine. Right. I think the world engine requires a planet that's close enough to Krypton to start from. And or, maybe that's the problem. Or, that's yeah. why it took thirty-three years. Or so far early in development, like how Earth is under a yellow sun. Yeah, under a young sun, I should say. Mm-hmm. Like the world engine requires some sort of conditions that Earth meets that anywhere else they find in 33 years doesn't. Because I do not believe that Zod could lead these people 
under the guise of a grudge instead of under the guise of founding a new Krypton and actually legitimately searching for somewhere to put it for 33 years. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. So he was probably um, willing to give up on the grudge after that amount of time. They get the distress signal. He probably still doesn't know for sure that that distress signal means Kal-El is there. And when they get near the planet, they can probably detect the phantom drive. And then he's like, well, this must be where Kal-El is. But he doesn't know that until he gets close enough to the planet to see it. Yeah. I think it would be really interesting to see a graphic novel of the 33 years that they were together, the Sword of Rao, yeah. before they got the dress call. And, and it'd be like one of those like no dialogue books where it's just like them doing things. Like uh, it's just panel panel after panel is just imagery, no no speech bubbles, no establishing uh but dialogue. But they're going to other anything. planets, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. But like all those planets and like Colonial Outposts are all barren and stuff, so it's just like they don't run into any planets with life on it, and like they get an altercation, and they're like, "We gotta leave." No. <laughs> hmm. It's like Castaway, but it's like a whole squad. Well, they just—they just cannot detect a planet that's suitable for the world engine. They can't find one. There aren't any around. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I think it would be pretty interesting. I think it could have been. I think it could be a really good story, and it would be cool to see Kryptonians fighting without superpowers. So it's like they got their rifles and stuff and their cool armor and they're fighting like parademons or like they're fighting lanterns. I don't know. So this is like, it's like Black Zero, a Superman story. Huh. Yes. Black Zero. Interesting. Sword of Rao. Something, something. Black Zero just sounds cool. It does. It sounds like a... Yeah, I mean... It sounds like a Call of Duty game, like Black Zero, sort of. I mean, I don't know. They look like well, the name yeah. They look like space marines, oh. so it would be like, it'd be like part, like Battlestar Galactica, part like DC. Com- that, hmm, interesting. I yeah, <laughs> the name does come from from previous comics. Um, you know, there there was an actual character named Black Zero who was a uh, a variation of e- evil Superboy. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like that idea spawned. Um, uh, radical Kryptonians, much like to ha- how we see the Sword of Rao. Um, in previous books, the Sword of Rao was the Black Zero radical Kryptonian group. So, oh. Black Zero, the story of the Sword of Rao. Sh- Let's sure. write this. <laughs> yeah, you I, mean, I, we'll, I think we'll it'd be a really it. interesting we'll... story, like to see what they did, how Zod keeps these people together that are, you know. They got to be fairly rough and tumble. Yeah, why wouldn't they mutiny? And it's the about only way they wouldn't. Care... Yeah, you can continue. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just saying, and it's it's featuring two characters that people really loved in the film. So like, people would go read it because it's like, oh, the main protagonists are General Zod and Feora. Mm-hmm. It's like, of course, I'll read it because they're the like people wanted more of them. I mean, they, it it worked in uh, the first arc of. Superman Wonder Woman out of the new 52. Yeah, well, they brought them back. Yeah. I don't know. I I just feel like the story has to be about them legitimately searching because I don't think there's any other way that they would have stayed together and continued without legitimately searching because if they have a scientist, he's going to know if Zod is, you know, bullshitting everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Then there would be cause for mutiny and everything. So how do you keep the team together? 
False hope? It would be really cool to see some inner monologues of General Zod and what he's thinking. Very much. The diary of General Zod. <laughs> Dear diary. We, we need to write this. I, it's something I would actually really like to see and read or watch or any of that. I think that's, I think that's, this is a really cool story. Um, yeah. You know, sign me up. I'll, uh, <laughs> let's work on this. I love thinking um, about filling in the blanks and stories like that. Like yeah, especially with connecting universes. Like how to get here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what fans want. Yeah. Yeah, but then we they get wanna... it too much, and then we get upset because, like, things don't make sense anymore. I mean, Star Wars prequels, so. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we get upset. had to go down that road. <laughs> we, we ask for things, and then we get those things, and then we get mad that we got those things. Right, and then exactly. we're like, no, that's <laughs> not what we meant. We meant that, yeah. but yep. good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's how it always works um something that we get we get some really good shots of a kryptonian named toran who is the real sub commander of general zod so it kind of makes you question why feor is always like kind of acting as the sub commander because she's she is the sub commander but then toran is like actually the he's the actual right hand of he's like the ground forces leader He's like Steppenwolf. He's like the lieutenant. Yes. He, yeah, he's like the second in command. But Feora is like the sub commander that they send out everywhere. Maybe, maybe Zod views her as expendable. Oh, that's sad. Because mm. she is not actually mm. the sub commander, but she still has so enough authority like, and enough weight that she can like throw around wherever she goes. Like a Kryptonian red shirt. But no, like not necessarily like a red shirt, but like maybe Zod views her as expendable because this other guy is his actual second in command. Just like, well, I'm going to send her because while she's useful, I know that she'll probably get the job done. But if I lose her, I still didn't lose this better guy. Man, that sucks. He's got to be pragmatic. He's a military leader. I know. Still. I don't want to think that (laughs) just because I like her so much. He's not a nice man. No, he's not. He's a mean man. He's a bad dude. Maybe he just likes, yeah. Maybe he just likes to place favorites. Yeah, maybe he just likes Feora a lot, even though she's not next of. It's like protege versus uh, second in command. Second in command, kind of. Yeah. This is my protege, even though you're second in command. Yeah, it could be that. Mm. No, yeah. I don't know. I like like the more villainous explanation. And then, in this Black Zero story, you see tension between Toran and Feora. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fighting for General Zod's confidence or something. And he would love it. Approval. He would just eat up every minute oh, yeah. of it, I'm no, sure. He w- I'm sure he oh, would yeah. like, it, like a, encourage it. Yeah. Well, like a Sith yeah. Lord or some crap. You yeah. know? It's just like, eh, fight. Which one of you is worthy of me? <laughs> Maybe we should be writing these ideas down. Yeah, why are we not writing I'm this down? Ser- like, I'm, I'm 100% serious. You, you, you have it yeah, recorded, I'm... so you can always listen back and jot it down later. <laughs> yeah, people are going to listen to this and they'll come up with ideas guys we got to write this black zero story we're yeah. really missing out here um and that way we get more of these cool characters and Feyre's haircut um <laughs> she can have a different so, haircut like in different eras of this 33 years no she's, she's gotta go. keep the haircut she's gotta keep that hair 
Which one? The, the, the like, Fonzie hair? Like the pixie cut? Yeah. The, yeah. Now just yeah. imagine with like white shirt, leather jacket, blue jeans. Just Dude, hanging out. Yes. Oh, she would she would yes. pull it off so well. <laughs> the switchblade comb. Heck yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lean it is up it getting hot in here, guys? Lean, or is it just me? Just like lean it up against like the Kryptonian equivalent of a motorcycle. Yeah. Beat you up. A Kryptonian motorcycle. I love it. I love it. And, it's, and she has her family crest on the back of the leather jacket. Heck yeah. Like a. Oh yeah. my god. I'm into that. You guys are killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> and I, I imagine, like, if she was going to be like that kind of persona, like in an AU, she wears all kinds of, like, rings so that her hands are, like, really, really lethal. The better to punch you with? Yeah. Nice. Like, yeah. brass knucks are just a bunch of, like, big, gaudy I'm rings, but they serve a purpose. I'm into it. I'm into like missing out. Black Zero Biker Gang alternate universe. I like That's this. A, that is a good biker gang name. Or the Black, Black Zero. It's yeah. like a it's like a good low budget cosplay idea. Yeah. Like let me turn the sort of row into a biker gang or like a 1950s like greaser, greaser gang. gang. Yeah. yeah. If you do like big These gaudy rings, ideas. if you do like big gaudy rings and then do like the finger wrap or finger tape thing, mm-hmm. it looks really vicious and mean. Yeah. Huh. I like the Feyora jacket thing. Yeah. Yeah. The I like the I like the leather jacket idea. This is this is really good. I like these. these <laughs> we we hit gold in this minute, guys. The Sora Rao are just cool people. They're just they're just cool dudes, okay? <laughs> Everyone likes um, any hero stories. Or, like, villain perspective stories every now and then. Well, because a villain never yep. thinks he's wrong. Yeah, exactly. He's always right. This, That's what Jeff, makes villains yeah. cool. Yeah. Everyone's the hero of their own story. Yeah. <laughs> um, in this close-up shot that we get of Toran in this minute, um, they're using their, it's, a, it's showing a screen. It's showing a lot of Kryptonian text. Um, I've tried deciphering it. It's really hard to do it. <laughs> so... I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, it kind of reminds me of the film Arrival, where they take it's a very syllabic language, mm. so what you're trying to say gets basically formed into just one word or like one thing, one character, one character. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it becomes extremely hard to decipher it. Um, so I couldn't do it. Uh, we could try and get the Kryptonian lady who invented the language. And maybe she can help us decipher some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, hang on. Let me just shoot her an email real quick. Right? Yeah, you can. <laughs> Sam, we had a few. I think there was a, a guest that told me that you could do that. Or someone gave me her email or point of contact or something like Did that. Did you really? Yeah, I, I can show you her website. Nice. All right. I'll show you. That's rad. We need to get her. Um, so we'll have to try and get her on uh, to help me decipher this stuff. But, um, yeah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't do it. Sorry. It's almost like it's a foreign language with not a lot of real world basis. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Almost. Uh, do you guys, when you do Lord of the Rings, a minute, you try to decipher things. All the Lothlorien. It's kind of already been done yeah, for us. Yeah, it's already been done. So we just kind of like have to struggle to pronounce it and be like, okay, well, this means this, and this like five different languages. Yeah. And I mean, it. The Elvish is translated on screen for you whenever they're speaking it. Yeah. For the most part, there's a mm-hmm. couple of moments like. Where people are whispering, they all the shit isn't translated. But you get the gist of what hmm. they're saying. Yeah, but you get the gist of what they're saying, especially when they say names and the facial expressions. I guess it's a little different because the only written Elvish that we see is like the ring. So like, and they don't have right. like screens. Right and they there, tell so. us what it says. Right. Yeah. So. Like, 
And then the and we see written dwarvish, and we don't really know what it says, but they tell us what it said in like the extended commentaries mm. and stuff. They talk about it uh, being like a record of Moria and stuff. Yeah. But like, there's n- <laughs> like the technology is so different. There's not really like, oh, well, we're, we're just gonna stare at this wall for twenty minutes and try and figure out what it says in dwarvish. <laughs> yeah, I don't got time to translate dwarven dwarven runes <laughs> dwarven on my own, and someone yeah. else has already done it for me. <laughs> And, we, and we don't got time to yeah. translate Kryptonian, so... <laughs> exactly. Um, we got fans that'll do that for us. Maybe? Hopefully. I think so. Talking to you out there. <laughs> someone will. I just made someone's day. Yep. <laughs> um, Talking to But they do show them. us a map. Yep. They do show us uh, kind of like a map of the galaxy, uh, showing that the distress beacon was activated on Earth. Um, and so that's basically how they find Kal-El. Um... And so, like, it kind of, you know, it kind of just goes full circle here and kind of, like, brings us back to this dream mind probe thing that Kal-El is being a part of. Yes. Um, And, you know, General Zod is is basically trying to persuade Kal-El to think that what he and the Sword of Rao is doing is what he and, like, what his father wanted as well. Mm -hmm. Did you get that vibe? I kind of got that vibe. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, I wrote down Zod's lie, and I, 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 I love that. Like he's he's flipping the story into make it seem like, you know, you you aren't birthed out of heresy. You were birthed for an actual purpose. Yeah, yeah. And your here. purpose is is this to restart Krypton, so, so that Krypton could live again. Yeah. So that it's, it's a, a beautiful lie. It's a very inter- That's a that's how the second movie starts. Exactly. <laughs> um, so like uh it's it's really interesting. I really enjoy it. It's it's ruined by not only the prologue, but it's also ruined by Jor-El getting to talk to Kalo before General Zod. Mm. So having General Zod be the first one he ever comes in contact with and having this story told, it would really have sold. Yeah, missed more. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, cuz it, it like, changes wow, the framing of the whole movie. Yeah. yeah, like you're already like embedded with okay, Zod's a bad guy. Why are right. we going? Kal-El yeah, knows that too. Why Kal-El. are we going through all this like bull crap dream sequence that we know? Like, okay, just fight already. <laughs> yeah. Like that's maybe we're supposed wait, that shouldn't, to. That shouldn't have happened. Maybe we're supposed to question whether or not what Jor El told Superman was true when we meet Zod here. I don't know like what they were going for. But we don't really have a cause to question. Other than two conflicting Kal-El stories, dead. which would be fine. To like go with that if the prologue wasn't there, right? Yeah, the That's prologue. Yeah, like I'm saying, like yeah. the prologue is there, the and you already know the outcome. You still have the Jor-El conversation before this, yeah, to play off this without the prologue that spoils it for you, right? 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 Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think they moved that prologue. Do you in think the editing process? Do you think that they originally decided? to omit it and then they screened it and then some executive was like well i don't know who the bad guy is so you gotta make it clear for me because i'm an executive i think (laughs) i think what happened i think what happened is that if you take if you take the prologue out there's no action for a very long time oh that's fair so you put the prologue in the beginning and there's people start with a lot of action Mm -hmm. and then there's like a lot of character development so it's really slow and then the action picks up again 
See, but if you're going to do that with, like, the prologue for the purpose of action, I don't think you necessarily need to put the, like, the zod Jorel conflict to the degree that it's in the beginning of that prologue. You can have there be, like, something there, establish the destruction of Krypton, show stuff breaking down, show the ship go away. Yeah. Like, like it could have started out with just The way the cartoon zod. starts. Right. It's just the, sh- yeah. it's just the planet like, falling apart. And then a ship flies away. Yeah, and there's like nothing. Or else. like just Zod showing up to the the house of El Citadel, breaking in, and like them showing that the ship Cal ship gets taken off. Right. Don't even show the fight scene between Zod and Jor. Like maybe show it like a little bit, like the the, the start of a fight, but then quickly like change focus to the ship yeah. going off. Just like and shouting. then while the ship is in orbit, mm-hmm. blow up. Right. No, well, then you'd have to see them being sentenced to the Phantom Zone. Hmm. I don't think you have to. I think you can establish that, like, I think that that can just be glossed over. I don't think that that's necessary to establish in the prologue. I don't know, though. Well, then, because when they, I gotta re- when they show up, it'll be a surprise. Because you saw all his people explode, and then it's like, oh, well, there's Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Without the establishment And you the... can go back to, like, yeah. Yeah. Have flashbacks. Yeah. And then we can go and then, back like, and show the Phantom mm-hmm. Zone thing after this encounter mm-hmm. like the next time Jor-El talks to somebody yeah he'll be like okay well let me tell you a thing about the Phantom Zone and then you see like yeah. the... let me let me tell you a thing about General Zod now that you've met him I'm sorry you had to meet him <laughs> he's an ass I hate that guy <laughs> yeah. yeah and then like he could have like had that whole it could have been a completely different relationship that that Cal has with Jor right and be it lit where like well, why didn't you tell me about this before mm-hmm. it's I, like well i, I didn't think uh, well, yeah I was it's like i didn't think you needed you. to know about that yeah. or like, exactly like an obi-wan yeah, kind yeah, of thing yeah. or like i never thought they would ever find earth right <laughs> yeah so it's like why why give you this information if you're just going to be paranoid about it why not just make you or let you have fun and believe you know i guess that, that you're makes a beacon it of hope so that he like he distrusts Jor-El when he's supposed to be like this guiding figure for him I know yeah see like that would definitely be a problem for for diehard fans that are wanting this this Earth Prime Superman that they're all pissed off about (laughs) but then again this is a different universe they changed Jonathan Kent's storyline and you know how he teaches his son why not do the same to the other father figure that he has Maybe they would just lose fans right off the bat too much. Maybe, I don't know. What they want. When I think about father figures in, like, Superman stories, I've always really loved the depiction of Jonathan Kent in Smallville. Mm. Okay. That's always kind of been, like, yeah. my favorite depiction of Jonathan Kent. Maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm off base with, like, a lot of other people that are fans of Superman. <laughs> No, I haven't watched Smallville as much in my adult age as, as I as I should have doing this podcast, but I don't I don't have an opinion about as many characters on that show. Um I've always gone back to how Jonathan Kent was in comic books and then this version is a lot different, mm-hmm. but now I'm starting to really like this version of Jonathan Kent. Like it, it's it, it's incredible because mm-hmm. it's something different than what I know and what have what's been being shoved down my throat reading the comics. Yeah. Maybe it's different for a reason. I'm I'm on board with it. That's, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Um. So yeah, like what I, I thought was really nice about this. Um, I kind of like this transition where he where they start talking about the world engine because like they, he basically says like oh this world engine will be the instrument that will help us uh, reclaim Krypton, uh, and I like 
the shot that they do where it's like you see the crow calling and then it like flies off and then once it flies off you see the object falling from orbit and it's the world engine and i thought that was really cool i kind of liked that that crow was in there it felt like a little symbolic imagery in there what's the what's dark the wings dark words yeah. i don't know it's like a because it's a scavenger um, it's like it's about death yeah yeah okay so like it, it like flies off and then you get to see the world engine and it comes crashing down really cool shot and then yeah the minute ends exactly with him saying um like like your purpose here is to so that um, krypton can be reborn mm. Yeah, exactly. I think it's funny. So, yeah. I think it's funny Clark's reaction to that because he's just like blinking, like, "What did you just say?" And every time I watch it, yeah. it makes me laugh. <laughs> right, because he's still yeah. like way over his head with all this Kryptonian yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. getting thrown at him. Yeah. He takes it pretty well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess he just kind of stands there. <laughs> I mean, he's not like, "Hey, you're the last hope out. for an entire civilization." Right. Yeah. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> his. Re- his reaction to me is proving that theory that they moved that prologue so that, like, he should have been like, wow, is that really my purpose? Mm. And it's like, later on, you would find out, like, nah, that's not your purpose. Either. Yeah. He lied to you. Later man. on, you would find out, not already, like, in Superman's head right now, yeah. that like, he's just he already thinking, be, you're face... lying to me. This is not what my dad told me. Yeah, like, you're full of shit. Come on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Are we done here with this mind probe? I get it. It's a world engine. My dad already told me about this. That's a bummer. My I, dad owns a yacht, you know. Just like a <laughs> he owns a dealership. <laughs> yeah. My dad. Just like a super missed opportunity. What are those people called again? The Romulans. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> when uh, did uh when did that Star Trek reboot come out? Oh nine. Yeah. And this came out oh, in twenty thirteen. So these have very yeah. similar so plots. Are you, are you, yeah. yeah. This is a pretty similar, like, main conflict to the first Star Trek reboot. Oh. Yeah. Mike talks about it all the time. The Vulcans are very Yeah, he compares the Vulcans to, to the Kryptonians, and, which they are. I mean, Well, in a no, lot I just ways. mean that, like, the this planet-destroying device is, like, what's in the hands of the villain. And it, they're both sci-fi movies. And they're both about like a culture being wiped out, and someone who's a part of that culture being angry about it being wiped out, right? And then destroying the planet. Yeah, and, the and it's like a, yeah. yeah, and it's a grudge. It's all it's, there's just one grudge being held like against the, one singular character. Like the central point of conflict is really similar. And those movies came up pretty close to each other. Like within five years. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I just realized I think that. Zach that just popped into my brain. Abrams have a thing. Didn't they? Don't they have? I think there's some sort of competitiveness between those two guys, but like a friendly rivalry. I believe it. Yeah. It was very prominent in the making of Force Awakens and Dawn of Justice. Yeah, I know that. They had like competitive marketing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, they would have like like Zack Snyder would Gee, do like that? one of his. <laughs> uh, well, f- uh, uh, <laughs> the line got got m- muddy towards the end there they fought yeah. dirty yeah um but yeah anyways uh i think that's about it for this minute what about you, you guys yeah, no I'm, I'm good we can you guys are good mm. yeah does anyone on. have anything else about this minute uh, nope. nope no i don't think bueller so. no <laughs> bueller. all right cool <laughs> uh let's see when d- can you guys talk about the first time you guys saw man of steel 
Um, I'll go first. I the only time I've seen this movie was in theaters. Um, like the weekend it came out, because uh, my little brother really wanted to see it, and it fell around his birthday. So, and I really enjoyed it the first like in like that viewing. Um, but I think I was just like starved for Superman content, and. Unfortunately, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, uh, I don't know if I really like this. But I'm actually really glad that we got to talk about it all week because now I really want to rewatch it and kind of reevaluate this movie. Like, cause it, cause it came out like four years ago at this point. So yeah, I kind of want to watch it again and be like, okay, I need to form an actual opinion about this instead of just based off like one time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we can help in yeah. that <laughs> realization. <laughs> it's like uh, when my, you know, what is it? I learned that when you try food, you try it twice. Yeah. That's, That's like been my golden rule. So whenever I try something new, I try it twice. You never know what's going to yeah. be like. Because I know that I, I did enjoy it while I was watching it. And I know that there is something in there that, like, I, I like, fundamentally liked. But then I just kind of started thinking mm-hmm. about it more. But, yeah. yeah. I'll rewatch it and get cool. back to you guys. <laughs> oh, thanks. So the uh, I did not see this movie in theaters for the first time I saw it, but I did see it in like uh, an auditorium on a big projector screen. So I did still kind of get like the silver screen kind of experience. Mm-hmm. I got to see it on a on like a fifteen or eighteen foot projector screen. Mm. And why? What was what was happening? Uh, it uh, one of the clubs at the college that I went to and work at was doing like a, a showing of it for something or other. I don't remember why exactly. That's cool. Uh, and I hadn't seen it. I missed it in theaters. I did really want to see it because from the first trailer I saw for this movie, I was really interested because it looked like it was going to be my favorite kind of Superman story. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was. And I, when I watched this movie the first time, I was engaged pretty much from start to finish. And when I later saw it again, like on a, just like on a TV, uh, I still was really into the movie. And I have been a pretty vocal defender of this movie whenever anyone talks about it. <laughs> so Mostly I, me. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, uh, I've always really liked this movie and it, it's my favorite kind of Superman story because I like Superman stories that challenge the uh, the identity of Superman and force him to make impossible choices. Mm, you hit the nail on the head on that one. I, I think it's like, I think it's one of those things where there was a formula for Superman and it worked, and then we kept doing it, and then I think they it finally, working. yeah, I think someone finally said, "Hey, this formula no longer applies. We need to." adapt it to today and they they tried to question what the importance of superman in our world is and they went off that and they made this film and they talked about like what is superman's greatest values and what is he preserving and what does he do that makes the world better and i think they really went and they thought it out and they they said you know like the only way superman makes the world better is not by being Superman, but by making us want to be Superman. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, it's like you can't single-handedly save the planet. You gotta make the people who live here want to save the planet as well. 
And I feel like this Superman wants to try and do that. So I think that's why they kind of like rethought it. Because a lot of times us as people like who think about Superman, we think like, oh, he's just like he needs to save the day. It's like, well, he wants you to want to save the day. And so that, I think that's pretty important. An idea to strive for. Yeah, exactly. So I think they rethought things out in a way that is better for us. But because it's different, a lot of people don't like that. So <laughs> I feel like my um, my main issue with um, this this iteration of the DC Universe is the fact that they were kind of launching off of the success of those Nolan Batman movies. And I really like those Nolan Batman movies, and I think they work for Batman. But I think, like, applying, like, the gritty, re- like, hyper-realistic, very, almost, like, really violent, um, mm-hmm. like, modern storytelling to uh, characters like Green Lantern or Superman. Um, Green Lantern's the one I'm really worried about in this <laughs> new DC universe. Um, I, think, I think it suffers... Um, and I, like, I don't watch, like, cause super, like, superheroes are, like, like, wish fulfillment, like, fantasy, and, like, I don't watch fantasy to kind of be confronted with, like, like, like what we were talking about earlier this week, like, the war between, like, the military and science, cause, like, that's happening right now, um, yeah. but, like, I kind of, I kind of consume media as, as more of an escape, and I think that's part of my issue with this particular um, Superman movie is that it was a little too, like, like realistic and gritty for my taste. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, I don't know. That's obviously just no. It's my it's, a, it's a it's it's a valid opinion. It's a valid opinion. I know that I particularly feel the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to hear someone someone say these things where it's like okay that is we're like i'm the type of person where it's like hell yeah go break the mold i want to see something right. different i think yeah for me it's like because i know that there, there are a lot of people who want to go to see a movie or read a book or something they want to escape mm-hmm. they want you know like it's it's, a, it's yeah. what the it's what it was made for in the first place yeah like yeah. people want to go ahead and they, they want to escape they want to kind of get away from things and um nowadays we see a lot of films that like kind of you don't escape to they 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 want you but the point of it is that they want you to see how it relates mm-hmm. to the world that you live in now so that when you leave the theater you leave with a little bit of something that helps that you can take away from and kind of apply it to the world you live yeah. in um if a if a film is purely for escape you might just want to keep living there <laughs> and it yeah i don't want to yeah i don't want to like if you're into like a movie like because with like i appreciate stories that have relevance to like real world applications like that's why i like lord of the rings because like i feel like thematically it like is applicable to like real world stuff um and it's i thought it was interesting that you brought up uh the point earlier this week about how this is this movie is more hard sci-fi because um, I feel like mm-hmm. sci-fi as a genre is all about confronting, like the human condition and everything, and maybe that's that's the part of it. Like, because I like sci-fi as a genre, but I think that's that might be part of the problem I have with this is like the melding of the two. Doesn't. Yeah. I don't know. Some like something does, about it doesn't work for me. I don't know. I I've always defended this movie because I think the themes are very strong mm. and. Uh, 
maybe I should watch it again because I still don't think Henry Cavill does a great job in this movie. Uh, <laughs> but I do think that the villain performances and like Lawrence Fishburne is strong. Amy Adams is really strong in this movie. Mm. I like um, Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe's yeah. great as that was perfect when I when I well, actually when I saw this movie the first time. I didn't know Russell Crowe was Jor-El. So that was a surprise for me. Yeah. And it was awesome. <laughs> I was just like, wow, I can't think of anyone better. <laughs> yeah. To me, I think the most underrated actress in this film is uh, Diane Lane's Martha Kent. To mm. me, in this film and in the next one, is such a great character. Uh, she's really one of those people to me that like I enjoy this film a lot with yeah. her portrayal her delivery of her her dialogue what she's written as a character i think some of the advice that she gives to kal-el clark uh it's it's just i like that character a lot i think she's such an important character um and i I really enjoy her um but yeah uh moving on to the dc cinematic universe as a whole uh you guys have any opinions on donna justice suicide squad uh, Wonder Woman, Justice League. We actually haven't seen Dawn of Justice or Suicide Squad. Yeah, we haven't seen them yet. Uh, and part of that, I think, is because I like, I didn't enjoy Man of Steel, so I was like, mm, Dawn of Justice. I am, however, very excited for Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, like, that first that teaser trailer dropped, and uh, I was just like, oh my god, I'm all about this. So I hope that Wonder Woman is the movie that changes my mind about this uh, universe because I am also interested in Justice League because I like Justice League comics and stuff. Right. So. I mean, I um, yeah, I, I haven't seen Donna Justice or Suicide Squad. I do want to, and I'm interested in like this universe as a whole. I think that it it has interesting things to say about like the superhero genre and like the kinds of stories we tell with superheroes. Mm. But at the same time, when I look at the marketing and I read stuff about these movies and the direction of the tone, I th- I feel like because of the last little bit of Man of Steel, the way he acts in the final moments of this movie, I feel like it's a step back character-wise to go back into this dark stuff with this Superman. Mm. Like with Dawn of Justice? Yeah. That's the way I felt when I saw some of the stuff for Dawn of Justice. I'm like... But we see Superman being kind of aloof and joking and sarcastic at the end of Man of Steel and feeling more like Superman. So it just feels to me like it's a step back when I see the gritty Superman again in Dawn of Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess you'll if you do, when you guys do decide to watch Dawn of Justice, uh, if you don't watch Suicide Squad, I won't blame you because <laughs> it really doesn't. It doesn't really pertain to the trilogy that is Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice, Justice League. It just broadens the universe. Right. Yeah, it just, it's just there. It, it adds another element. Yeah. Um, it Like, Dawn of Justice is the second of the trilogy, so it is a low point for the universe. Right. Um, and then Justice League is, is, like, the completion of the trilogy. So um, if you watch Dawn of Justice, it's going to be a lot lower than Man of Steel. Like, not like... It's a super drama. Right. Yeah, it's a drama. And, and that's another thing is, is... And so definitely watch the ultimate cut of Donna Justice. Keep in mind that it's a low point. Um, and at the same time, 
always referred to it as Dawn of Justice not and Batman. not Batman. Batman. The, the, yes, the marketing, Superman. like, I mean, you could, I'll, I'll let you blame the marketing all you want for that movie. Like, that's, yeah. that's perfectly fine. I, I accept mm. that. Like, that's okay. The marketing was goddamn terrible. Is, the marketing um, ruined that film. Is Justice League also directed, or going to be directed by Zack Snyder? Yeah, it was. Okay. It's a, it's a, he's had had that story kind of mapped out, basically. Um, But, like, yeah, because the the film is not a Batman versus Superman story. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a, it really is. Like, Dawn of Justice is literally, like, the best way to describe that film because it is such a low point. But they were like, oh, we should just throw Batman v Superman in the title. And then the marketing was like, crowds and stuff. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, Batman. so the whole time people are like, "Oh, we could see them fight," and it's like, it's really not what that film's about <laughs> at all. Yes, there's there's conflict between the two, but um, that is not what that film is about. So um, yeah, definitely check that film out. It's it's we love it more and more every time we watch mm. it, and especially like doing Man of Steel minute by minute. It's it's just going through the roof right now. Uh, Suicide Squad again. If you don't watch it, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> It's apparently a, like a yeah. three-performance movie, so. That's fair. It's uh, it's an editing mishap. Wow. That's too That bad. I hope they learn from. Yeah. Um, Isn't there a director's cut of that? moving on. I think they're thinking about it. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just really wanted a, a Man of Steel trilogy where, like, the second movie was Brainiac and the third movie was Dark Steel, Dark Side, mm. and it was just Superman movies. That's what I really wanted after I saw Man Instead of Steel. Of like, set up for justice yeah i wanted an insular superman universe after i saw this movie for the first time Mm. but we got wonder woman out of it so i'm okay with that (laughs) finally yeah i'm worried about them ruining (laughs) Jordan because he's my fave yeah that green lantern movie is not really (laughs) yeah hal jordan green lantern is my favorite dc superhero and it's not really that close so yeah hmm well, we're we're in for a surprise. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I'll go um, see it. I went and saw that Ryan Reynolds movie, and I defend that movie too. Oh but <laughs> I defend that movie because Jeff John loves that movie. I don't understand why he loves it. I'm, uh, I'm not. I don't. I don't hate that movie, but I'll stick by that that man. Maybe word. he loves it for some of the same reasons I defend it, and that's good enough for me. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I. I still stand by my statement that if they had just made a sequel it would have been forgiven yep give me sinestro <laughs> yep because he was the best part of exactly. that movie. yeah he was he and was yeah mark sinestro <laughs> and yeah. he steals it no he was um moving on where if someone came up to you and was asking uh if they want they really want to get into superman uh what story book movie yada 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 would you recommend to that person to check out oh man i i i still really love those christopher reeve um superman movies um i really like the first one and i like the um like the the donner cut of the second one um Mm mm-hmm and I know they're very silly, and I know they're very campy. But Neil before Zod. I I love I love that. I eat that up. Um, but as far as comics, 
I think, speaking of Jeff Johns, I really like the Jeff Johns, um, is it Secret Origin? Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that, and my first Superman movie, or Superman comic that I ever read was um, Kingdom Come. Um, Ooh, and nice. I really, I Good really one. like that as a Superman story, so I think I would recommend yeah. those for comics. Yeah. Mark, I think you still need to read Kingdom Come, yeah? That's right. Yeah, he's oh, not in... so good. I still haven't read it either. Don't... Yeah, see, like, don't be embarrassed. So it's, come on. Yeah. I was, I, I was just yeah. listening. No, no, people come to comics from all different, yeah. like, points. Kingdom Come is definitely still near the top of my list of comics to read. Yeah, I need to pick that up. It's just, like, the hardcover is so pretty, but it's so expensive. <laughs> um... <laughs> as far as, like, where I would tell someone to start with Superman... Uh, my first question to them would be like, would be, do you know how Superman got to Earth? <laughs> and if they say yes, then I would direct them to just watch Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Mm. Or if you just want something consumable that's really about like the heart of what Superman is, read All Star Superman. Oh, All Star Superman's good too. Yep, good one. Yeah, it usually gets split. Like either people are like. Do I want to teach them about the origin and, like, recommend an origin thing? Or do I want to give you, like, the best of Superman? And usually that, like, like the best of Superman, it's, like, it's a lot of um, uh, all-star Superman, of course. Mm-hmm. Birthright. Yeah. Well, Birthright's an origin. Well, that's an origin. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah but See, like... that's when you do the origin, people are, are, like, birthright. And then it's, like, well, if you want, like, really good, like, just good Superman, then you do, like... All-Star Superman, or For Tomorrow, or um, Superman versus, or no, uh, what is it, Superman, just Superman Adventures or something like yeah. that. Yeah, man, I mean, really all you need to know about Superman's origin is, he's, he's Space alien. Jesus. Space Jesus. <laughs> space Jesus, yeah. I mean, we got, yeah, we have wrong. the father, it's Jor-El, <laughs> and he's the son, and then computer Jor-El is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> You're not wrong. I oh mean, my God. 33 years. He's that's hilarious. He, he's a work. He's a laborer. Yep. He like, comes from the working yeah. class. And this is all stuff that like was put out as part of like the marketing, but not super public mm. with the movie when this movie came out. Interesting. It's just like it's he, he it's a Jesus allegory. We're talking about like looking at Superman in reverence and understanding why and how. Right. Like, and that's how you have to look at Superman in this movie and in this universe in general. But, like, if you if you know that, like, Superman is the last of a, peop- of, of a people, he was sent to Earth by a spaceship because his planet exploded, mm-hmm. and he's got superpowers. All right, here we go. You understand he's raised by people, good-hearted people in Midwest Kansas. Let's move on. Read yeah. this. Yeah. Like. If, yeah. I... If Superman was real, hey, consider me a follower. <laughs> there you go, man. Now, I also, I like, I really loved Red Sun because I think Red Sun challenges the identity of what it is to be Superman in a really similar way to this movie. Yeah. I like the Injustice take on Superman because it's like you're doing exactly what he wouldn't do, which is take away freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a fantastic story. Yeah. Like, that's just, like, a, a side that, like, needed to be explored. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're continuing. It's crazy how popular that story got from just a video game that it's become, like, such a big earth in the multiverse yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and, and then they even talk about, like, they they keep 
questioning what it means to be a hero because where there was Superman who became the villain and like further now they're talking about like well maybe Batman's quest for peace and justice maybe that's starting to be an issue so they're like they're really questioning everyone's like like well how far do, do you have to go to try to be a hero and that's like then you just become right. the villain so it's, it's really what they're the right exactly <laughs> yeah exactly it's they ain't wrong <laughs> um so it's um it's really interesting that that story got so popular and i'm glad it's working out for them i'm a huge fan of it and i can't wait to see what uh what else they do mm. for it so um but thank you guys for joining us yeah, this week. Thank it was you a for no problem. It was a pleasure. <laughs> I'm glad we could give you an hour-long Friday great. episode. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Hey, this is what we live for. <laughs> no, yeah, our fr- the Friday episodes are always the longest, but that's yeah, it's the end of the week, right? So there you go. Um, but yeah, guys, where can we find you? Uh, we're from the website duelinggenre.com. Um, you can find all of our various podcasts there, and you can follow us on Twitter at lotr minute. Cool. You can also, uh, uh, I, I just want to plug something else because it was cool and those guys are cool. You can listen to me to talk, you can listen to me and the guys at Protagonist Podcast talk about more DC related stuff. Oh, yeah, you do. Over on the Protagonist episode. Podcast. Yeah. I did an episode about the Green Lantern. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Oh, cool. Very so, cool. yeah, you're uh, you're with uh, Andrew Dorowski and Joe yeah, Dorowski. And their podcast is really cool and I definitely recommend it to people. Yeah. Yeah. They were guests on our, like, way back weeks like six and seven oh, nice. or something weeks seven and eight that's yeah. what it was Ooh, that's a while ago <laughs> yeah 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 they, yeah it was a long time ago uh but then yeah, that's awesome that's awesome uh guys if you're listening don't forget to leave us a great review on itunes uh really helps us uh people find us on itunes and we love reading those reviews out for you guys to listen to um definitely check out lord of the rings minute if you're a huge fan of lord of the rings they're covering uh, you guys are on fellowship right yes. now, and uh, yeah, you're, they're doing the extended cut, so they got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're getting about, there. So yeah, de- <laughs> definitely check that out, guys. Um, if you're looking for some podcasts over the weekend that are not about nerd stuff like comic books and whatnot, uh, there is Stellar Dynamics, which is the ultimate encyclopedia compendium of all things Rush. You can listen to two mic- uh, music theorists talk about rush albums and each song in them and then there's also honey hold my beer which is super laid back uh they share some weird stories they share some interesting beers and it's a good time so check those out and we'll catch you guys next week here on dc cinematic minute